Hey, John. How's it going? This is a first. Yeah, we're sitting in the car. We're commuting to the <laughs> podcast today. <laughs> this is the AC podcast. Oh, AC podcast. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's been a long time, John. But this is the first. We're, we're recording this in, in my car. <laughs> this is a special show. What show? Uh, it's, it's focusing on Super 8. Uh, Leslie and Matt are going to be rolling in to talk about Super 8. And then when they leave, you and I are going to do uh, our uh, pilot episode of Vinyl Record Podcast. Oh, very good. Vinyl Record Podcast, if you guys are into vinyl. I don't know who you guys are. I got to check the mail. I keep, I keep forgetting to check the email. Yeah, you should do that. To see who's been writing in besides Scotch. <laughs> besides one guy. I don't know if Scotch is still with Scotch out there. Hello. The most uh, fantastical news is uh, right here on my uh, my uh, on my uh, Bluetooth player. Yeah. Uh, Wilco. Yes, new album. Awesome. Uh, so I was online and I just saw, first of all, I saw the art and I saw the name. What's, uh, this, what's the significance though? What do you think? It's a cat and the title of the album is Star Wars. The significance... Like a white Persian cat, right? A white Persian cat. Yeah, the significance is, in my opinion, everyone loves cats. So I think it's just like, oh, everyone loves cats. <laughs> Who would call their album Star Wars? Right? And why? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I saw in my, uh, you know, social media networks, I saw, like, oh, Wilco's new album, and it's absolutely free for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Cut. Oh, oh. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Here we go. Here we go. I mean, it's really fabulous. Yeah, very good. So, best album in years, definitely. So, you can go to the Google. The Google. And type in Wilco, W-I-L-C-O. Wilco. WilcoWorld.net, I think. I think so, too. But if you can't find it, go to Wilco Star Wars, and it'll come right up. And if not, you'll see a bunch of articles, and those articles bring you to the link. And before we get started with our segments, I have some news. There's just so much going on. The 1989 film, The Basement, that John and I shot, uh, headed up by uh, our friend Tim O'Raw. I was looking at some of the behind-the-scenes footage today. Really? And that was the chock-a-block. Because shot on what? A shot on Super 8? Super, the Super 8 epic. Yeah, but I mean the behind-the-scenes footage is on Super 8 or video? Uh, uh, Paul Rose from SCA TV uh, came down. Uh, oh, my God. Yes, I remember. He shot footage of you and Jeff loading a 10K into the back of Jeff's. <laughs> yes, the 10K that was soon to smash the back window of Jeff's car when he hit a bump. So it's called The Basement. It was shot in May of 1989, and it's being released later this year on digital platforms Ooh. and its very own DVD release because in the past it's been in that big box. Right. That was just a VHS, or did that also have a DVD in it as well? It had both, uh-huh. but it's getting its own single release. But the most fantastic thing is that the folks from the Alamo Draft House down uh, down in Austin, Texas, yes, called the studio, our studio. Oh, hey, we want to screen this on Terror Tuesday. I don't know if you're aware, or you folks out there listening are aware... These days, uh, many theaters, they do digital projection. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're just screening a DVD. Yeah. We digitized the film for digital release, and then we got the files converted. So, you know, they have the theater files. In Austin, Texas, on July Tuesday, July 28th, at the Alamo Draft House, the Ritz location in Austin, Texas. It starts at, what time does it? Uh, three bucks to get in. Cheap. And they, I think they have, like, a bar. 
Oh, that's great. Watch a movie and drink is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to be there. Oh, you're going to go. That's great. I'm going. I'm going to go down there, Austin, Texas. And the most exciting thing is two days later, Thursday, July 30th, Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's screening at the uh, Texas Theater. And that admission is free. Wow. It doesn't get any cheaper than free. No. I don't know if they uh, have a bar. You can go to um, the website, alternativecinema.com or filmphotographyproject.com to see the details, like the fine details. But that's not all. No? No. What, 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 what else? There's a fan expo in Toronto, Canada, mm. September 3rd to 6th, and they're screening The Basement. Wow, this movie's getting around. I'm going to be there, too, the fan expo. You're the ambassador of The Basement. Now, I don't know if the... Honestly, I mean, this is a big fan show, mm. a big fan, like, comic book kind of thing. Oh. I have no idea if you if you go to fanexpocanada.com if it's going to be, like, you know, mentioning The Basement. Are you going to dress up? Like what? I don't know, your favorite superhero? <laughs> Why don't you dress up like Beetlejuice? Oh, man, that'd be great. That's uh, September 3rd through 6th in Toronto. Wow. How about this, John? And I'm really, really hoping that you'll, you know, clear your schedule. Mm -hmm. Alamo Draft House, Yonkers, New York. Yeah, when? September 25th. I think that's a Friday night. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can get the director, Tim O'Rourke, to come up from Florida. That would be amazing. Mr. Joe Kolbeck, of course, the sound designer and editor. He has to he has to come. He did an amazing. He he restored this film. He, I went into the to the lab do art in New York and restored the the footage and then the brought the visual it. part and he restored all the audio. He redubbed the whole movie, which is an amazing feat. Yeah. And who did he do the music too? Chris LaMartina did, uh, did the music. Yes. All new. But all the foley is brand new. All yeah. like every step, every sound effect, every every crunch, every line of dialogue recorded new. Awesome. So that's September twenty fifth, and I'm really hoping that you know you folks out there listening, if you're in the, one of these areas, Austin, Dallas, Toronto, uh, New York, Yonkers, New York. Uh, some other news, very uh, exciting. Uh, a lot of our movies are now available on digital platforms oh. like Amazon.com. Really. So if you have like a Roku box or like a DVD player, that like pops up. Yeah, or any um, like smart TV. They also put those apps on the smart TVs. Yep. So Amazon.com, Xbox, PlayStation, and it says other leading digital platforms. And what's coming out, some, some awesome movies. This month, July 2015, Prison Agogo. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, I have not. It stars Mary Warnoff and Rhonda Shear. Oh, wow. Mary Warnoff. Awesome. When was this made? What, what year was this made? The exciting thing about Prison to Go-Go is it's directed by Barack Epstein, and he runs the the Dallas Theater in, in Dallas. No way. Yeah, he runs the Texas Theater that's screening The Basement. I'm going to see him in Dallas, mm. and then this month his movie comes out on digital platforms, Prison to Go-Go, Rhonda Shear, remember her, right? Oh, yeah. She had the Up All Night show. It's like USA Up All Night. Yeah. And then Mary Warrenoff. She's awesome. Yeah. She's, what was her like big claim to fame? What was the movie that she was most known Andy Warhol factory movies. Oh, right, right, right. She was a factory player. And then she always played the villainess in prison movies and all those other exploitation movies. Yes. All the Sins of Sodom, the Joe Sarno black and white film. Yes. It's a good one. 
Sinful. That was a Tony Marsilia movie? You didn't go out to California to shoot that, did you? No, I did not. Julian Wells in that? No, it's Misty Monday and Erica Smith. Oh, I remember Erica. Psycho thriller mm. about a woman who can't get pregnant. Oh, right, right, right. Misty tries to steal Erica's baby. That's right. August. Boy, all the hits. Chantal. That's Tony? That's Tony Marsilia. Uh, Misty Monday shines in this remake of Nick Phillips' tale of a young girl with big city dreams mm. and a lot of bad luck. Also stars Julian Wells. She gets off the bus in the, in the beginning? Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. This is shot on millimeter. Yeah, 16 millimeter. <laughs> August 2015th, going digital, Chantal. September, digital release of seduction cinema classics Gladiator Eroticus. Oh, my. And Satan's Academy for Girls. Oh. August 11th, Homicycle. That's a great title if I ever heard one. From the director of My Fair Zombie comes a blood-soaked tongue-in-cheek tribute to grindhouse classics like The Punisher and Nailgun Massacre. Those are really good titles. September 15th. It's about a motorcycle that's... Is this like the motorcycle version of the movie The Car starring James Brown? Absolutely. Okay. No, it's not. Oh, Anyhow. okay. September 15th, Call Girl of Cthulhu. This is Chris LaMartina's film. It is? Yes. I've, ne- I've never seen it, Chris. Sorry. Chris, sorry, Chris. John doesn't know what's going on. I don't. I'm sure it's a gem of a movie. Though. Do you know what the Cthulhu is? I have no idea. Okay, okay. That's that's you know. I, it's, I should. I is should. It like, is it like Egyptian? Is this like you know? <laughs> we should. I should get out of the car right now and talk to any fourteen-year-old girl and ask her what a Cthulhu is. You're gonna have to go to Xbox or Amazon to see for yourself. Call Girl of Cthulhu, over thirty film festival and theatrical screenings. Wow. From the makers of WNUF Halloween special comes a horror comedy that Harry Knowles of AintItCool.com calls low-budget, goofy fun, better than it should be, and quite splatacular. Oh, boy. Harry knows. Yes, he does. October 13th and 27th is Henry Kudo Days with Scare Waves on the 13th of October and Babysitter Massacre. Oh, nice. On 27th. Yeah. Henrik's movies are quite uh, distinctive and fun. You ever meet uh, Brian O'Hara? He worked on Spider-Babe as an editor. No, I don't. I, I may Rock have. and roll Frankenstein guy? Yeah, I may have, yes. Yes. I, I'm sure you've run into him in the studio. Uh, his film Rock and Roll Frankenstein comes out on digital platforms November 10th. Did you do soundtrack? Or what do you call it? Like, uh, you know, special edition with him for that? Yes. Okay, I may have met him when he was in for that. Brian O'Hara's hilarious and completely inappropriate 1989 festival favorite. Oh. About a resurrected rock god and his uncooperative appendage. Mm. It gets the first ever 16 by 9 DVD re-release and brand new HD digital transfer. The appendage needs 16 by 9 I took the print under my hand, under my arm, oh. and brought it to Deluxe Labs and I did a new digital wow. restoration. Wow, that must look beautiful. That was shot on millimeter too, right? <laughs> A shot on millimeter. Uh, hey, there's some shows coming up. What show? Uh, you know, like fan shows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where we have like the table. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like stuff on the table. Monster Mania, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, July 31st to August 2nd. Ooh. That's cool. Yeah, monstermania.net. Fan Expo Canada. I will be at this one. September 3rd through 6th, Toronto, Canada. Monster Mania, Hunt Valley, October 2nd to the 4th. And then, of course, I don't have it here, but I'm sure at the end of October we'll get the Challer. Yeah. The Chiller Theater Horror Expo. Yes, indeed. 
So that's it. That's exciting news. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, Jesus. I know. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with uh, a nice Super 8 folks out there listening. What is Super 8? You want to know all about it, what films are available. It's a great medium. Uh, Nice segment on Super 8. And then after that, John and I will be back, not in the car. We'll be in the studio talking about vinyl records. Mmm, delicious. This is a great shot. Get that. What have you got, the GAF Super 8? Wonderful. Is it loaded? Yeah. Now, you got to be very quiet because they're very temperamental. One, I'm sensitive about his ears. The other's very touchy about his side. Now, just aim it and start shooting. Don't worry about the exposure. There's an electric eye in there. It takes care of all that. GAF Super 8's got a zoom lens. You know how to use it? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, now zoom in to close-up. here with Matt Marash. Hey, how's it going, guys? Leslie Lazenby. Hello, everyone. We have been asked, I mean, Matt, it's like years now. People, years. Years. When people, are you going to talk about it? When are you going to talk about it? When are you going to talk about it? When are you going to talk about When are you guys going to talk about Super 8? When are you guys going to talk about Super 8? Because I have like, I'm still shell-shocked from spending 20 days straight, 16-hour days, shooting a feature film on Super 8 in 1989. I kind of never wanted to see another little snippet of Super 8. I used to shoot so much Super 8 that I was editing at my apartment. I shot so much Super 8 (laughs) that I kid you not. Super 8 was coming out my cat's poop. (laughs) (laughs) My cat must have accidentally ate some of it because it would just pass through. Now, 89, was this the basement? Was that that the feature? By the time 1989 rolled around, I was shooting 16mm and that was what I wanted to do professionally. I wanted Mm -hmm. to shoot features, horror features on 16mm. When Tim O'Raw, the producer and director of the feature film The Basement, when he, we went to college together, when he came to me and said, Mike, I was his go-to director of photography. Okay. So when he came to me and said, I have the money for a feature and we're shooting on Super 8. I mean, back then I sunk into my seat. (laughs) I mean, because once as a student, once you start shooting 16, you want to move up to 35. Yeah, you never Mm want to go back. I mean, you don't. Then 70 mil, right? (laughs) In school, taking film classes... You're, it's sort of like a kid who's 16 itching to be 17. It's like you can't wait. And okay, let's let's start with the basics here mm-hmm. regarding uh, Super 8 movie making. And Leslie's very attentive. I think you actually want to hear about this. Yes, because I'm a very, very lousy moving image photographer. So I'm going to hope to pick up some tips here. There are a number of Super 8 cameras on eBay that you could purchase. Uh, my recommendations are buy it from someone who knows the camera. Buy it from someone who has cared for the camera. Mm-hmm. Definitely ask that the battery compartment be checked mm-hmm. because that could be corroded out. What I have in my hand, there's so many models, especially yes. Canon. There's so many, so many models. This is the Canon 514XL. It's very simple. And that's what I kind of like about this camera. It has an on or off switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, an option to do one frame at a time, mm-hmm. a tripod thread, an option of doing nine frames or 18 frames per second. 18 is kind of the st- somewhat the standard in Super 8, although I've shot 24 frames per second in a different camera. This is basically the Instamatic of ca- of movie cameras. 8mm home movies evolved to Super 8. They put it in a cartridge. Mm-hmm. So it's a simple Sweet. plastic. Can I ask a question, Mike? Yes. What happens if you change the speed on that. Did you have to have a projector with a matching speed? Or if you didn't, did things move too fast or too slow? Correct. Okay. A projector usually had 24 frames or 18 frame option. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this 9 frames. I'm not... Bear with me, folks. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just getting back into it. Yeah. But quite frankly, I don't know if I care. 
<laughs> like at this stage, it's really not yeah. that important. Mm-hmm. It, it just isn't because most of what's going on, for, except for you real diehards out there who want to shoot a Super 8 movie and then project it. Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, I don't recommend because you're going to be buying vintage gear and two things are going to happen. <laughs> One of which happened to my dad every single time he got the screen out. It's just like the scene from uh, Christmas Story. <laughs> I love Oh, yeah. Put, loads up the projector. Next thing you know, the film's being chewed up in it, and my dad... <laughs> and I remember it was the reel of my first haircut. <laughs> oh. Now, there's, there's only yeah. one snip left. <laughs> oh. Because it just got chewed up. Yeah. And then every time he... You know, he, you know it's, it's a projector, especially a vintage... Projector can easily chew up your film. You don't want. Also, a projector can scratch the hell out of your film. Oh, okay. And you are projecting Super 8. You know, you're projecting your original Kodak Tri-X reversal film. You're getting back your original film. It's a reverse black and white process. Mm -hmm. Kodak Ektachrome, which is no longer made. Kodak Ektachrome 100D. It is color reverse color slide, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Color reversal film. What you put in your camera is what you get back. So if you scratch it or chew it, that's it. The color negative stock, the Vision 3 stocks that are available, these stocks are used by filmmakers who are getting it processed and scanned to a file for editing, okay. not for projection. I mean, that world... Because those are coming as a negative form. Correct. So if you did project them, it would be negative. That's right. They're not okay. made for, for projection. Yes. okay. That sort of, sort of like when we talked... Last show, we talked about color, the color slide, the Don Draper error of, you know, of people projecting stuff in their living room. It's like if you're doing that, you're doing it for nostalgia and fun, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not... There's no workflow for it anymore. I mean... Uh, people are shooting a lot of Super 8 film, the Kodak Vision 3 stock, because it's cheaper than 16, it's fun, gives you a different look, and it's all for a digital workflow. Car- they're all cartridges. They're all the same. They all just pop in your camera. It just doesn't get much easier than that. Okay, Mike, so someone's just get like, now they've got Super 8 gas. <laughs> what, uh, what Super 8 stock do you recommend for someone to jump into? Because it seems like it's pretty limited, but... Okay, let's let's take all let's take all two of our FPP listeners who <laughs> will be doing this project. Let's dro- okay. let's throw that out the window. We're talking not for projection. Yeah, you want to go with your Kodak Vision three stocks, definitely. Okay, because they're just it's a color negative film. It's newer, yeah. right? Yeah, brand new. You have lots of latitude. So if you have experience shooting Kodak Vision 3, if you've been buying it from the FPP online, st- online store and either sending it to Little Film Lab or souping it yourself, you know that you could shoot the 500T. At, you could shoot it at 400. You could shoot it at 500. You could shoot it at 800. And there's so much latitude in the negative that you're getting back an image that you really could work with. And this comes in Super 8. You're damn right it does. Dang it. <laughs> I mean, I knew 16. Yeah. But th- now, it is awesome. a T film, which okay. means it's tungsten. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I'll, let's use an example of our good friend John Fideli, who's not here, so we could talk about him. B&H's photo in New York City sells these pre-packs. Mm-hmm. They're nice. Mm-hmm. They're pricey. Mm-hmm. I got mine at Midwest Photo. Hey. That's right. You guys don't carry it anymore, right? I bought all you of bought it. You bought all of it. Yeah. This is uh, a stock that's packaged by a company called Pro 8 in California. Mm-hmm. 
And they got they have it going on. They are the good. It's uh, a nice service. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice service. I'm going to give you other options as well. But what you're buying is a package. So you could buy you buy your camera. You put batteries in it. You kind of test it without film. Looks good. Okay. This is the initial workflow I'm going through. I'm going to shoot a test roll. I'll always shoot a test roll because making movies is too expensive to shoot like your low budget short film epic without uh, without doing a test roll. Case okay. in point, I mean, I am the human guinea pig for not shooting a test roll because that very feature film we talked about that cost my friend Tim O'Raw, who, by the way, is still my friend, and he shouldn't be my friend because essentially I wasted 10000 of his dollars. <laughs> we didn't run a test. We just Ooh. got the film in, shot the whole damn feature. A feature. Wow. Got it processed, and then have the technician call Tim and be like, uh, you know, um, you know, 50% of this is too dark. Because I was just so young. There's another, another tip for, from an older guy to younger guys. You see, when you're a younger guy, you, no one can tell you anything. Mm, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm that guy when I was young, of course. So I borrowed your uh, relative's camera. Yes. I borrowed J.R. Bookwalter's camera. Here's another feature to look up on Super 8. Feature film, by the way, to shoot on Super 8. Who would have thought, right? Super 8 feature film. The Dead Next Door. Yes. It's a zombie film. It's coming out in uh, Blu-ray next year. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Uh, J.R. Bookwalter is now doing a 4K digital conversion of his Super 8 positives. 4K to Super 8. Yeah. Or Super 8 to 4K. 4K. It's intense, right? That's mind-boggling. Another feature shot on Super 8, a Polish vampire in Burbank. (sighs) You've heard of it? (laughs) I haven't, but I can't wait. It was on the USA Network back in the uh, early 1990s. Wow. That's right. Very cool. Very important to do a test roll because then you could see... If there's a registration problem, when I say that, mm. the, the roll of film is snug in your camera. As the film is running through the gate of your camera, there are, there are possibilities, if the camera's faulty, a registration problem. So that if it's not registering, you don't want to use that camera. Mm-hmm. And with vintage gear like a Super 8 camera, it's just like all the emails I get about Polaroid cameras. Like the Polaroid One Step, the white mm-hmm. rainbow. Like where can, Everyone wants to get those fixed because they love it so much. There's not no worth, not worth thing. it. Yeah. You put it on your shelf and you buy another Super 8 camera. You mm-hmm. put it on your shelf, you buy another Polaroid camera. Shoot a test roll. This is not an inexpensive hobby. This test roll is going to, you know, you're going to drop two hunch, non-FPPers who are just tuning in for the first time. That's $200. <laughs> you're going to drop two hunch to, to run your test. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, Matt, because we shot some Super 8, I think with this very camera, back in 2012 at the PDN Photo Expo in New York City. Yeah. We yeah. were just like, let's take them out. I, I yeah, John was shooting a lot of it. I remember, but yeah, was, yeah. We shot two rolls, and then Matt, you were excited. Like, when are we getting that film back? When are we getting that? I I looked up all the prices back then. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, wow, I gotta drop two. I gotta drop two hunch to get this stuff. I'm like, I just put it's it's been on my desk at the FPP for three years. <laughs> oh gosh, just sitting there because it's like I just don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm getting into it, I, I've 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 thought I've put a lot of thought into this, and I've done all the pricing. So now. I've been saving my pennies to drop the X amount of dollars. Like, I know what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not a hobby you want to pick up. It's not like picking up, uh, you know, a $30 Pentax K1000 and roll of film. This is a hobby that you're going to have to invest some money into, which brings me to maybe purpose, quote-unquote purpose, reason for why do you want to get into Super 8 filmmaking? Is mm-hmm. it going to be something you're going to do regularly? Or is it something you're going to do once 
you know, and just do it for the fun of it, which is okay too, because you can get the camera very inexpensively, and then you just need to invest in, like, let's say, a kit. Okay. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. The kits. The kits probably are the most economical because I think it's like $88. Don't quote me here. I think it's like $88 retail. You buy a Kodak Vision 3 kit for your camera and you get the film cartridge, which is three minutes worth of movie film, mm-hmm. and the processing. And what you get sent back is, a, I believe, a .mov file, a digital, digital file. file. Yeah. So for $88, yeah. that really is a good deal. As opposed to buying uh, a little more of a renegade film, like an older Kodak Ektachrome 100D, or uh, I have a roll of no longer made Kodak Plus X. Mm. Ooh. So this is a little more pricey because it's not like a package deal. Okay. You just send it over to a lab, and you can get the same service done, but it's a little more pricey. Now, I think you were talking about this a while while back, maybe a couple of years back, we were talking about Super 8 processing. And some of the labs that were quoting you, they had like a minimum amount. That's correct. So That's why I didn't do the PDN film. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jumping topics, meaning processing a film. Let's start with the film. Let's, okay. let's, mm-hmm. let's talk mm-hmm. about what films are available. Kodak Vision 3. It comes in 50D. That's 50 ISO daylight. daylight. Uh, the film, the ISO is notched, so when you put the cartridge in your camera, the camera senses what ISO it is. That's where, backing up, that's where I went wrong with the Super 8 feature. J.R. Bookwalter told me, here's the camera. I shot the dead next door on it. Just put it in automatic and shoot. Just put it in automatic and shoot. What did I do? What, whatever, 25-year-old Michael Rosso. Completely ignored him because I had my oh. Gossin Luna Pro F. Oh. I'm in film school. I'm going to be metering my scenes. I mean, all he said, I think, afterwards, I told you so. Okay. I mean, I, I fessed up to it. These cameras are not, I mean, they're, they're prosumer cameras. They're not mm-hmm. really designed to, it had a bunch of manual features on it, but doesn't mean it's necessarily accurate. Mm-hmm. Listen to Mike, me, put it in auto. <laughs> Don't under, I mean, just, just, these are not 16 millimeter cameras with like a real lens. So just put it in auto. Mm-hmm. Unless I, it has the switch on it, sunlight and light bulb. It has that. Yeah, that you need it, to know. What does that mean? Oh, thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Sunlight is if you're shooting daylight film, put it on the blazing sun. Mm-hmm. If you're shooting T, put on the light bulb. It throws the filter over. It does. You, your choices are 50D. Mm-hmm. It's a daylight film. It's a Super 8 cartridge. Uh, I'm guessing the cartridge alone. Like if you just buy the film, I'm thinking it's 35 to 40 dollars. You can get Kodak. 200T in a Super 8 cartridge. The switch off Fidelity accidentally bought. He's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I bought the tungsten film. Because he wants to shoot his kids in the backyard. Now uh, yeah. I just look blue. Exactly. I said, throw a filter. He's like, I don't have a filter. I guess he could, he could throw a filter because it meters through the... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can get Kodak 500T tungsten in a Super 8 cartridge. You can get Kodak Tri-X Reversal in a Super 8 cartridge. Oh. And when that is processed, it's a positive? It's a reversal. Yes. It's a positive black and white. It is, yeah. Okay. It's called Tri-X Reversal Film. Yes. The Tri-X is a little confusing. Yeah, it is. These shows are confusing, but reversal. That's another name for chrome film, by the way. Reversal. 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 Yep. You could also purchase uh, on eBay. I mean, the stocks were not discontinued that long ago, so there's mm-hmm. ample, uh, fo- ample stock out there. As a matter of fact, this one was purchased from Dwayne's Photo hey, in Parsons, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Dwayne's 
has a limited amount of stuff they process. Dwayne's photo in Parsons, Kansas, will process Kodak Ektachrome 100D. So it's a 100-speed daylight film. You could also find Kodak Plus X Reversal, discontinued. Uh, in daylight, it's uh, 100 ISO. So Big nothing. minimum at Dwayne's, or can you send them one? Do you know? Mm, I didn't print out a, 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 okay. a, a Dane's form. Dane's form. <laughs> Quick little Google take care of that, yeah. I'm sure. The Google. There are also... I, there may be some other stocks available. I don't have the information, like ADOX, Super oh, okay. 8, black and white. That also may be available. I'd say, you know, out of the box, introductory, what I'm doing, my recommendation is what I did. I bought three packs of film at Midwest Photo. Comes with the film and the processing. I'm going to get my file and will allow me to put my toe back in the water. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that, and for 88 bucks, yeah. it's it's cheaper yeah, and they're digitizing mm-hmm. it for you so it's and they're digitizing yeah. it for you uh here is some prices for processing at a company called yale film and video i have not used them yet but i'm going to for some of this oddball stuff that i have laying around like the stuff we shot at pdn mm-hmm. uh they have super 8 and regular 8 black and white processing plus x tri x foma pan i guess foma pan makes a uh, super 8 and they charge uh, for the regular black and white, which might be a negative. I'm not sure. $25 per cartridge. That's three minutes of film. Uh, $20 for Tri-X or Plus-X. Super 8 and Regulate Ektachrome. Uh, that's the Ektachrome 100D and Agfa 200D. 20 bucks a roll. Uh, color negative vision film. 20 bucks a roll. There's some things here. I'm guessing that you could bypass these charges. Prep for Telecine per roll. Uh, push. Mm-hmm. Push per 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 stop. Yeah. Uh, push minimum per stop. Push minimum charge thirty five dollars. Per stop is two fifty. Pull minimum five dollars, and the charge to pull fifty dollars. If only you had known. What? Uh, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Special services. Mm-hmm. Prep for telecine snip test. Yeah, like a clip test. Yep. $10. If only you had known. Spool down onto 100-foot spools. Plant opening after hours and weekends. If you need something special done, $5,000. Oh. So I've, I haven't used these guys, uh, but I am going to send them the special film. Uh, I'm just going to have them just process only, send it to me, and then I'm going to go to uh, Deluxe. You know, color by deluxe. Sometimes yes. you see it after films. Mm-hmm. Yes. Deluxe in North Fallon, New Jersey, which is close by to mm-hmm. the FPP. And I'm going to sit with my favorite colorist, Dave Northrup. He does all the film to tape transfers that I sit in on for, um, you know, the feature films that I work on. Uh, so, in a nutshell, that that this is that that's the primer on on Super 8 filmmaking. Technically, let's talk about really quick. Let's talk about purpose. Why? Give me a reason, as Dirty Harry would say. <laughs> if you're going to invest the time and money into shooting Super 8, I suggest that you put a little put a plan together. If you have one roll of film, three minutes, then plan it. Plan all your shots as best as possible, and do what I call a camera edit. So, if I were to do a film right here, right now, in the studio, I would do a camera edit, and I would just set it up very simply. First shot at the door, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Okay, I'm gonna say go," and and Matt and Leslie are gonna walk in the door and wave mm-hmm. as you come in. Okay. Action! We walk in. One, two, three, four. Stop rolling. 
Okay, next shot. Reframe your shot. Action. They sit down to their chairs. Okay, great. Next, plan the next shot. Okay, action. Mom comes in with the birthday cake. <laughs> Close-up birthday cake. Walk with her as she comes in. She puts the cake on the table. Hey. Okay, great. Cut. Stop your camera. Re- reframe. You don't want to jump frame. You want your frames to, by the way, you can go to library. Go to library. You can get a basic book on filmmaking, mm. how to cut your shots together yeah. so that you're not doing jump cuts. So you, to tell a story. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking from, oh, I want to put a mini movie together, you know. So next shot, wide shot, action. Mom puts the cake in. Cut. Next shot, action. Candles get lit. Next shot, wide shot. Everyone sings happy birthday. It's silent. That's okay. You can dub it mm-hmm. later. <laughs> next shot, close up the cake. Leslie blows out the birthday candles. <sighs> the end. That's it. <laughs> You'd be able to get that, squeeze that whole sequence onto a three-minute reel and maybe have enough to shoot like shoot a BTS. Yeah. Or shoot it twice, yeah. absolutely. It's kind of storyboarding, right? Yes. Uh, without it is. maybe drawing it out, but but, but you that could plan. have some fun. I mean, you really could make this a home fun project, especially for, fa- for a family. Mm-hmm. If your kids are awesome. like, John Fideli's like, ah, my kids really can't take directions. They'll be giving directions because they're still, they're like five years old. Yeah. If your children are a little bit older. Oh, Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> Slow them down. You could do the same process and make, oh. make a family project. And you actually could do a storyboard. Mm-hmm. Or you could, of course, be fly on the wall and, let's say, go to uh, Uncle Hank's birthday party. Providing, let's say, it's outside, hopefully. Okay. You could do the same thing. Camera edits, but shoot wedding style. Shoot it as it's happening. Pay mind to, you know, you're running. One, two, three, four, five. Stop. Next shot. One, two. That's why... S- uh, home movies have that unique look mm. of the stop and start, yes. and good dads yes. told a good story. Bad oh. dads did jump cuts, but that's okay. Yeah, but that's why everything Christmas is compressed to three minutes because the mm-hmm. stuff's damn expensive. <laughs> Dad knows he only has one cartridge, yes. and he has to get the whole Christmas mm-hmm. day into this one cartridge. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, without even thinking about it, people were camera editing. Yes. And that is sure. a beautiful thing. And that's what makes home movies shot on film special and home movies shot on video so gosh awful. <gasps> mm-hmm. I offer both of those services and you're so right. Video camera, just let it roll. Let it roll. It uh, drop your arm to the ground. You're shooting the floor. The camera's oh, still rolling. Oh, gorgeous. The camera's rolling. The, cam- the camera's panning. It's... The camera was on the whole time yes. from Ohio down to Florida on I-75. And the only thing that changed was the radio. <laughs> video killed the film star. Mm-hmm. Video killed home the home movie, the, yeah. the charm and sure. beauty of home movies. You know, I think uh, the in-camera edits. It's really funny uh, you're mentioning this because the, the success lately of the uh, the social site uh, Vine. Mm-hmm. Oh, five seconds. You know, oh, it's all Instagram. In, you have twenty seconds. Yeah, it's all in camera edits for for a, like there are people who do whole Vine productions. Five seconds. Five seconds, but it has to fit it, or it's, sometimes it's like nine seconds. Okay, but okay, but it's all in camera stuff, and of course it's jump cuts because you can't very well do a good transition right. in that time. But it's it's a lot of the same, you know, analogs I'm hearing with like the telling that story but by mm. you know, transitioning it through. So think of being a commercial producer of producing a commercial. And I was when I worked for Comcast. My job was I had to shoot a commercial and I have 30 seconds to tell a story. 
So that is on-the-job training that is priceless because you have 30 seconds to sell a product. That's it. If I had a minute, to me, that was too long mm-hmm. after once you get used to shooting things in 30 seconds. So if you have three minutes to tell a story, I'll tell you why this is so beautiful. Actually, my heart is warming as I'm talking about this because, let's put it this way. No one on the planet as of right now wants to watch anything longer than two minutes. No. As a matter of fact, two minutes is long. If it's not good, you it's lost an them. It's eternity. Yes. Yeah. Thanks to Instagram, who now has 20-second maximum, everything is thought short. So kids that are shooting, when I saw uh, Jen's daughter's Sophie, her Instagram movie, she shot on her phone, I have to tell you, Matt, I had no idea how she did edits. I'm like, I just looked at her. It's a 20-second movie. I'm like, huh? How did you edit that? How? And she's like, oh, she, of course, as a kid, grab the phone out of my hand, start, <laughs> pause, yeah, in reframe, yep. uh, record. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's a beautiful thing. It's so simple. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the only way digital technology has made life beautiful and simple again because it's, 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 uh, mm-hmm. it's aping the concept of what Super 8 was, which is yeah. you have three minutes. That's all you have is three minutes. I'm excited. I, 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 I am excited to put some short subjects together, and um, I'm certainly not going to be able to save any money this year. <laughs> <laughs> but the process that's going on at Pro 8 is a sweet deal. And um, if you have a Macintosh or even a, well, any, well, I, I should say anything now, mm-hmm. you could mm-hmm. download software to edit. Mm-hmm. So once you get your file back from Pro 8, you could then have your editing session yep. and trim things down and add sound. And it's, it's a great thing. I'm, a, I'm very excited I, I about movie this. iMovie that comes with yeah. a Mac. It's never been yes. easier. It's brilliant. Now, folks out there listening, if you have questions, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. If you want to bypass Super 8, if you have enough cash to do that, 16mm filmmaking is so much fun and so much satisfying because you're dealing with real lenses and the picture quality is so much better. I mean, Super 8 has its charm, but 16, you could shoot a movie, you could shoot a feature film. I just purchased, I'm pretty excited, uh, I got the film sweats, it was the same day I called you, Leslie. Mm-hmm. I had sweated, I sweated all, I sweat all day. I bought uh, six 400 reels of expired Kodak Ektachrome 16 millimeter. So this is not horrible. It's 2,400 feet. So that is six. You get 11 minutes out of you get 11 minutes out of 400 feet. So I have 66 minutes worth of film. So the first the first 100 feet I'm going to shoot as a test. Mm-hmm. Oh, we shoot a test. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mm-hmm. send it to I'm going to send it to Yale Yale Film and Video for processing. And this is a Kodak Ektachrome 7285. It's a hundred daylight. Uh, Agfa also made a 200 version. And then once you get into 16 millimeter, they charge by the foot. 25 cents per foot. Get out my calculator. 0.25 times four hunge. That's one. You drop a hunge for 11 minutes worth of footage. Yeesh. <laughs> so that 400 foot reel is going to cost you 100. Yeah. Yeah. So you've dropped twice the amount of Super 8. So you may be saying... It's twice as big. <laughs> Why should Super 8? It's half, a, it's t- half off. Yeah, half off. It is. It is. It's, it's, um, and this does not include Telecine. That means the transfer, mm-hmm. too. They do offer a Telecine pr- uh, price. I don't have that in front of me. Yale Film and Video. You could just type in the Google. Yale Film and Video. You'll get the website. It's a very organized site. Very easy to read. 
the Google. Um, and they process a lot of different uh, a lot of different films. So you may ask, what films are available? Sixteen. Well, Kodak Ektachrome expired because Kodak doesn't make it anymore. Same would go, I guess, for the Agfa. They don't make it anymore. You could buy brand new Kodak Vision Three. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Do they process Kodak Vision Three? You may have to send them an email. You know what? Kodak Vision 3, 16 millimeter. You may have to go to Photochem, West okay. Coast. The big guys. Big yeah. guys. Photochem, uh, Color by Deluxe, West mm-hmm. Coast. New York City has closed all their film processing. Oh, wow. Closed. closed. Gutted. Everything's West Coast, U.S. I'm not sure about London. I'm sure it's certainly London. Kodak Vision 3, 16 millimeter, 50D. That's 50 ISO daylight. 250 daylight, 250 ISO. 200T tungsten, beautiful. 500T tungsten. Mm-hmm. The 500T in 16 is the bomb because you're dealing with real lenses on camera, so you can just filter the, filter the lens, yeah. shoot outdoor. Mm-hmm. So you have a very universal film to shoot with. 500 ISO indoor, beautiful. Three, I think it's like 320. 20. 320 ISO outdoor using a filter. The cameras, you may say, well, film camera, what am I going to shoot with? Tried and true. It cost $500 in 1985. It cost $500 in 2015. Talk about holding value. A Bolex 16mm reflex camera. You want to get the reflex, not the parallax. Parallax is not through the lens. You're not, you're not focusing through the lens for the parallax. And that's easy to be fooled on the bay because the people mm. selling it don't always know what they have. Oh, okay. So you want to bu- buy a 16mm Bolex reflex camera. And it is a tank. And I don't have it in front of me, this show, but there's a, there's a company down south somewhere that does do um, CLA, Clean Lubricate Adjust mm-hmm. uh, Bolex cameras. That's all they do is Bolex. Wow. So I think you'll drop a few hunch, but, you know, they'll, they'll be super smooth. If you're starting out, Bolex is the way to go. It's a hand crank camera. You get 30 seconds per crank. So that is your discipline for laying out your shots. In other words, you already have the plan in your head of each shot is 30 seconds. There's no long, you know, tracking shots here. There's no, you know. So there's no cranking it twice and getting a minute. Does it work like that? No. Is one crank? Well, if you're shooting an exterior, you could do it quickly on a tripod, but I've never done that in all the years of me shooting short films. They do make fancy schmancy Bolexes with a motor. Mm -hmm. That's where you get your... They only take 100-foot spools, but there may, may even be an adapter to take 400-foot. But if you're going to go there, go to Aeroflex. Move up to Aeroflex mm-hmm. or Baloo. The real nice ones. Yeah. yeah. But like, and prices have come down. Like a Bolex, people, they're still in demand. The, this, the Aries are all really collectible. That's why, yeah. right? Yeah. But they, they, they're, they're workhorses. Mm-hmm. And this is a crystal sync camera, meaning that if you're recording your sound separately, uh, it's sort of funny because, you know... Over the years, it went through the process of using what was called a Nagra sound recorder, which was reel-to-reel. And then that went to what was called a DAT, D-A-T recording. Yes. That was the mm-hmm. standard in 2002. And now, of course, everyone just has their Zoom recorders. Yeah. Because if, you, if you're going to shoot sync sound camera, you could actually shoot a little short film with dialogue. How fun is that? And an Aeroflex will hold a 400-foot reel on a core, which you have 11 minutes worth of film. You know, get out your storyboards. By the way, you could buy it. I'm sure you could buy them used on eBay. Actual story. They used to sell storyboard books where basically you get the empty cartoon panels. Mm-hmm. 
So you could draw out your movie shot for shot. Paper sheet, rip yep. it off, put it up on the wall. And, uh, and there were many classic uh, filmmakers who would storyboard every single shot in their movie. So if you look at their comic book, that's, that's very important to think about before a movie. You know, if you're serious about movie making, it's like people don't, just don't show up on the set like, okay, what do we – like, no. It's like all the work is done in pre-production. Everything is prep work. Everything is laid out. So you as the person in charge – of course, we're just, you know, talking about having fun here. You'll be the director and cameraman. <laughs> you show up and your actors, your people, even if it's your family and your kids, you have to direct. You have to uh, relay your vision of what it is you want to shoot so that everyone's on the same page so you have a successful and exciting short film to look at. Am I putting too much gusto in this? Hmm. No. Uh, did you hmm. mention how much 100 foot and 400 foot of 16 gets you? Yes. Uh, 100 feet of 16 millimeter gets you... No, because I was just looking up prices. You got me looking at it, Mike. Yeah, you get approximately three minutes worth of footage out of 100 feet. Okay. okay. And you get 11 minutes. It's 2.75 minutes out of 100 feet, so 11 minutes per 400 foot. Running at 24 frames per second. Wow. Okay. So, That's pretty sweet. Now, years ago, before the digital technologies took over the world, if you wanted to shoot slow motion, you'd have to shoot your film through the camera fast. You need a higher speed camera. Higher speed camera, and you'd burn through a film like crazy. Mm-hmm. So you just have to calculate those shots. Be like, oh, how much am I going to have to spend to do slow motion? <sighs> Yeah, because it wasn't done in post production. Well, it's funny; it's just as expensive now because you're burning through hard drive space super fast. I'm not even talking about hard drive space. I know that's a whole nother. That, that's in addition to all the. But film. you know what? Yeah. If you have your your MacBook at home and you buy like a five terabyte drive, mm-hmm. or even a one terabyte drive, I mean, you just you that's, drop a few hunch. You yeah. own the drive. That's your drive for your media. When you get your media back from Pro Eight, mm-hmm. that's your media. Back it up. Definitely. Like immediately. Always have to back it up. Back it up. Because you don't want to spend all the... And now we're talking about spending all this money for this movie and your actors and your sets and your makeup and then hard drive crash. Then, like, you have no movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have your film. Sure. But... but <laughs> I mean, you have your film, but, you know. Yep. So that wraps up uh, Super 8 <laughs> 16mm filmmaking. The intro to... We pretty much covered it for a, yeah. a primer, mm-hmm. right? That's a good primer. Very good. 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 When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, some stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Stuffins. We'll be right back. Super 8. For years now, folks listening to this podcast have been writing in, asking us to talk about Super, Super 8. 8. Well, now that I've started doing research on Super 8, I have to tell you. I am obsessed with Super 8 film. It is so much fun. There are so many vintage Super 8 cameras out there. It's time to pick up a camera and shoot your own three-minute film on a cartridge of Super 8 film. And where are you going to get your film from? Right here at the Film Photography Project store online. As weeks go by, you'll see more and more Super 8 film stocks being added to the store. We have the Kodak Vision 3 line of films that come with a cartridge and a prepaid order form to get your film processed and transferred to a digital file. If you're into projection, if you want to project your film in your living room on a vintage projector, you'll want the brand new Whitner Chrome 200D Chrome Super 8 film. When you buy a roll of 200D Chrome film, you will receive an order form. It's not prepaid, but you'll get the order form so you can send your film off 
to the fine folks at Dwayne's Photo in Parsons, Kansas for processing. Keep an eye on the FPP Super 8 section in the store in coming months for new products being added. And it's time to start shooting some home movies. Super Super 8. Hey, this is Michael Rosso, and I want to tell you folks about an upcoming screening of the 1989 Super 8 feature film that I shot. It's a horror anthology film called The Basement. And here we are 26 years later, and it's completely restored and being screened on the big screen. Here are the dates. I'll be at the screenings, and I encourage you to come on down. The Alamo Draft House. Ritz location in Austin, Texas on Tuesday, July 28th. Admission is just $3. On Thursday, July 30th at the Texas Theater in Dallas, Texas. Admission is free. Toronto, Canada at the Fan Expo September 3rd through the 6th, 2015. There will be two screenings. I will be there as well at the Alamo Draft House, Yonkers, New York on September 25th. 2015 the basement please go to filmphotographyproject.com to find out additional information thanks everybody and i hope to see you there new from ktel records 22 explosive hits 22 original stars gallery oh it's so nice the great Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, the candy man can. Olivia Newton-John. It's not for you. Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. Don't pull your love out on the Derek and the Domino's big hit, Layla. Osmond's Detroit Emeralds, Millie Jackson, Flash, April Wine, Charlotte's Pop Tops, Fortune. Here comes that rainy day feeling again. Joe Simon. You've got power in your kiss. Lobo. Possible Hot Butters, Popcorn. And many more. Get KTEL's 22 explosive hits now. 22 original stars and one great stereo LP. Only $3.99. Hey, everybody out there. My name is Michael Rosso. In the studio with Mr. John Fidelli. Hey, everybody. And welcome to the first fresh... The first edition of the Vinyl Record Podcast. Yeah. Which I don't know doesn't, doesn't really have a name yet. It could it's be the Vinyl call, Record Podcast. We call it the we could call it the Inner Groove. No. I'm no, sure you don't like that? I'm sure there's a podcast with that name already. Okay. Welcome to the Vinyl Record Podcast. Vinyl we just re- record. Record. Vinyl Record. Record. Yeah. We just call it like it is. Yeah. And uh, this is episode number one. We don't know how many episodes are going to be you know, in this series because you know, it all depends on you guys that are listening. Mm. Like, if you, well, I should say this is a spinoff of the film photography podcast. Yes, the FPP. The, the long running FPP, now in its sixth year. Uh, we're not going to tell you anything about us this episode. Mm. Really, you know, we'll tell you about us later. We're just going to continue our interest in all things analog. Yes, all things analog. Uh, John Fideli brought in uh, many uh, records today that he's going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for support and to try to uh, motivate and inspire folks listening to it. Well, if you're a middle-aged man or woman, 
to to go Young in, kids do this too. I know. Go into your garage I, because all of my friends that are my age, mm. they're all like, "Yeah, I, I have my turntable. Yeah. yeah, I have my records." Okay, let's get them out. Exactly. Are you using them? My friend Tom did it. Yeah, you, re- you pulled them out. I pulled them out. And then younger people are fascinated by the medium of uh, vinyl, and they are purchasing turntables. And, yep. you know, m- many people already have the tuner. Yep. You know. Yeah, but <clears throat> a lot of the new tuners don't have phono amps in them, so you have to buy a separate amp. That's what I had to do. Oh, because you have to ground it. Yeah. It's a ground. Yeah. Yeah. So... Oh, we're going to, you know, talk about all sorts of stuff, analog, vinyl, and hopefully someday soon we'll have uh, some experts in bringing in people. Yeah. And of course, if anyone anyone out there knows anything about processing plants, plants, Mm. the places where you're all into the plants of like the little etch codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The matrix. Uh, (laughs) In the matrix. matrix. Uh, Right now you can reach us anytime at our FPP email address, which is podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Hi-ya. Just, you know, in the thing there, put like records. R-E-K-E-R-D-S. Yeah. <laughs> it's been well over a year now. Uh, I have to t- uh, confess to everyone listening that I'm embarrassed how mm-hmm. I dropped my, my records and embraced the, you know, the CD. Yeah. We went nuts for CD. John as well. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. Nuts. Well, it, was, it was just convenient. We moved into small apartments. Running into the, running over to the CD den. Oh, my God. Running out with like 10 CDs at once. Yeah. Just going insane. I'm completely disinterested in CDs now. Mm. And I have very little interest in uh, MP3 media. Mm. Except for, I'm, I mean, I'm not like a crazy person. Like, I li- you know, I like it for yeah. the car. Yes. When I buy a new album and it has a download code in mm-hmm. it, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Do you record your records into your computer? No. The records that I've been purchasing, most of it is uh, uh, American jazz, like mm. mid-1950s to early 1960s. And I really just enjoy uh, spending time at home at night right. listening to those records. Well, see, that's the thing about the listening experience with a record and the listening experience with a CD I mean, when we grew up, it was an event. You'd go and buy a record, and then yes. you would take this huge platter, black platter, throw it on the record player, and then digest with your eyes every part of the folder. You'd have listening party. Fold. Oh, listening parties, yeah. You'd do what you need to do to get in the mood to listen to a record. Right. And then you listen to a record, you read the lyrics, you pour over the artwork. Right. You know, and it's big, it's in your hand, it's as big as life, it's easy to uh, to look at and, you know, fun to th- listen to the music and go, Oh, wow, you know, where was this photo taken? Yeah, this music really suits the photo. The lyrics are really trippy. You know, it was a whole experience. It's a listening experience. It's not something you did casually. You know, now you throw in a CD, you write checks, you know, you eat dinner, you talk. You know, it's background music, but the thing I like about LPs is it's... And active, you're actively participating in doing something. Yes. You're not just, you know, in, in one ear and out the other. So. And when you, uh, John has uh, young children, when you are at home playing your platters. They're fascinated. Do you have, does everyone sit quietly and listen or is everyone like crazy running around? Uh, no, they like to dance. Oh, they like so, to dance. Yeah, I, I'll put on some Talking Heads or some Adrian Ballou or some crazy King Crimson, 80s King Crimson. They love to go crazy to that stuff. But then they like to mellow out too. My, you know, when the, <clears throat> for school, my kids have to read fifteen minutes a night. So I'll put on some Cat Stevens. Oh, very nice. Or a nice Jim Croce record I just got. You yep. know, greatest hits. You know, they love that. That's great. So set in the mood with LPs. Well, very nice. Yeah. So tell us about your pile of 
John brought in a pile of records. Well, you're the one who started this. You got me back into LPs. I, I did? How did I yes, do that? Yes, you did. Because you were into LPs. And I'm like, dang, burn it. I'm getting into LPs. Uh, so I started going crazy. Well, I started collecting, um, looking for music that wasn't available on digital. Mm. Uh, like the kind of uh, obscure stuff like Scott Walker. Mm-hmm. Some of those early... Some of his LPs were never authorized. Scott 1 and 2? Those are on digital. Those are on CDs. But his, in between his Scott 1, 2, 3, 4, then there's another album. But after those albums, he recorded a lot of LPs of other people's compositions. Oh, really? And they were never issued on CD. So I just started, you know. Interesting. Because uh, you wanted to hear them. Yeah, so you I got into vinyl. So I went to the eBay and I bought them. Were they dear? Um, th- things have been going up in price. Maybe for four sure. or five years ago, they were a little bit cheaper. Now yeah. things are going up yeah. since everyone's catching the the, the wave. Mm-hmm. And I started out with a little Crossley, which many people be like, and a junkie. You know what? They get the job done. They're though. fine. They're fine for a, a st- for starter. Junkie starter. Yes, I think they're okay. You can also jack them into your uh, hi-fi. No, oh. has a uh, you know. There's a yes, phono. There's a there's a phono out or a speaker out. No, there's an RCA left uh, and right audio out, out on the back of most of them. So you could plug it into your receiver and yeah, boom. That sounds okay. It has its problems, mm-hmm. I will admit. Um, uh, I've taken a different path than John regarding a professional turntable. I revisited in the 1980s and purchased used gear from uh, our good friend in the Pompton Lakes. Yeah. Uh, Flipside. Flipside Records. Flipside Records. Been there since when? Dan. Dan. Uh, been there since the 80s. 80s. And he took it over from somebody else. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Place is a real uh, museum. Yes, it of is. Records. It, but he's got stereo speakers and receivers and turntables. That's where I get them. And they come in all the time, and they're very reasonable. And he checks them out. He's got a little workbench there. Oh, nice. You know, you'll find that different retailers like have strengths and weaknesses. You know, so... Most record stores sell newer things. Yeah. He like, has his new uh, lot, but his new shelf, but not. he doesn't carry as many new things as, let's say, mm. the music merchant in Westwood, which you have not visited. No. Or, or Scotty's. Scotty. Scotty's in Scotty. Scotch Plains, is it? Uh, Summit. They're in Summit. Scotty's in Summit. So I bought a vintage, and you bought you you opted for brand new. What yeah, is the thing I called? I bought a Reaper. Reaper. Yeah. A Riga RP1. Uh, and it's ching. Yeah, it was... Entry level high end five hunch. Ooh. That was a big birthday present last See, year for my wife. Entry level nineteen eighties fifty buck. Yeah. Plus needle. Yeah. Well, so. there's an upgrade for the turntable I bought for another two hunch with a carbon fiber oh. needle. You could get crazy with all this stuff. Yeah. I like the way it sounds just fine. What's wrong with the nineteen vintage nineteen eighties like techniques? I don't know. Did you Probably ever have nothing. did you ever have one? Uh, yeah, I used to have them. I used oh. to have a radio shack suitcase. Oh, get Black out. plastic one that you could carry around with you. Did you? Yeah. Battery powered? You bring it upstairs, you bring it downstairs. No, you had to plug it in. Oh. But it, it would close like a suitcase. It had a handle. Did you bring it to like, you know, beer parties and keg parties? Uh, no, this was when I was much younger. Okay. They hadn't even invented the juice box. <laughs> did you have children's records when you were a child? Yes. You did? Disney records. Uh, Read Along Records. We had Looney Tune Records. Okay. The most rock and roll we were allowed to get was the Cow Sills. Okay. That was it. They have a, a small but fond place in my heart, the Cow Sills. 
And who who broke your parents regarding bringing in like new music? Your sister, Kate. She brought My in like Bowie Kate. and all this she crazy. Brought in Bowie, the Sex Pistols, uh, Mott the Hoople, the Ramones. Did she when used to everybody fight with your mom? Like, oh my god! This? Yeah, what is this? My father would constantly yelling at her to turn it down. Turn it down. Turn it down. Plus, Cheech and Chong record. Who had those? Your brother? My sister. Your sister. She was the older one. Yeah, my brother would get Kansas, Rush, you know, all the Prague stuff, Bad Company. All the guy stuff. You know, my sister was into, you know, the sex symbols. and Before that, it was the Carpenters, though. Okay. That's and acceptable. Then something changed. It went from, like, Carpenters, Hurricane Smith. I remember she had that. Then Elton John. Then all of a sudden, Bowie hit, and it was over. And uh, that brings me to the first record. Very good. What do you got? Bowie-related album Ooh. that my sister had that I loved, and I completely forgot about it. It's Mick Ronson's Play Don't Worry. I don't know who did the art direction. It's a gatefold album, which is real nice got all the lyrics in it it's on main man records just to show you the sheer joy when i saw this uh, mostly we buy records at uh, record show in wayne new jersey here and uh, i might suggest that if you're looking to start your collection and do it cheaply record shows are the way to go ebay can get quite expensive and then you have to tag four bucks on for shipping and you don't know what you're getting yeah i've had to return albums i'm sure you've had to you know, because yeah. I'm kind of I'm I'm into getting really nice records, yeah, no yeah. scratches, no you know, no scuffs, no, no dings, no finger, no, f- no f- fried chicken fingerprints, no, no, none of that stuff. So when I saw this, I'm like, oh my god, I forgot about this record, and that's what you know, digging through crates can do. All Dig of a sudden, it. you find something that you remembered from your childhood, and you're like, oh my god. Now who your sister had that? Yes, because Mick Ronson was you know, of course, in the Spiders from Mars and Bowie era. Uh, you know, what was that? How many, 73, 72? How many albums does he have? His his fa- most famous one is Slaughter on 10th Avenue. Okay. Uh, but he has three or four others. And this one, I only have it, I should have Slaughter on 10th Avenue. I don't. I haven't come across it. But the reason I have this one is because I remember my sister listening to this. And I remember coming home from school and, hearing. and putting it on myself. Oh. Because I liked it so much. Now, does Bowie have his hand in the pie on that one? No, but you know what? Mick Ronson can sometimes sound a lot like Bowie. Oh. You know, he has a little bit of a nasally He's on Main Man, RCA. Reference. So clearly yes. there's a, you know, So hey. Bowie helped him out. Hey, Bowie, can you help me out, please? Did you know he does a version of uh, White Light, White Heat, the Lou Reed song yes. on here, which is great. But you know the song Girl Can't Help It? No. The girl can't help it. The girl can't help it. It's kind of like a 50s song a lot of people do it cover. Yeah. You know who wrote it? No. Bobby Troop. Get out. Yes. So there's a cover of Bobby Troop's song on here, The Girl Can't For all it. you emergency fans out there. <laughs> and he was married to? Julie London. Julie London, who's another one of our affections. Married to Julie London after Julie London was married to? Oh, I don't know. Jack Webb. No way. Way. Wow. Yep. All right, next up is this beautiful, oh, beautiful copy of... The soundtrack to the 1960s film The Umbrellas of Schomburg, and it's Catherine Deneuve's first movie, and it is quite a distinctive movie in that it is one of the only movies that I know of where every bit of dialogue is sung. Everything. Even when the postman delivers a, a letter, he's like, Bonjour, bonjour, here is your mail, ma'am. Thank you. Everything is sung. You've seen the, the film. I've seen, it's one of my favorite films okay. ever. Looks the, like it's very well lit. It, it is very well lit. The, the uh, costume design for the movie is, is, and set design is crazy. Sometimes the, the dresses that the girls are wearing match the wallpaper. 
the carpeting kind of matches, you know, umbrellas. It's very crazy. But this is a beautiful gatefold. It's a mono with a booklet inside. A mono recording. It's got a nice connoisseur collection from Philips here. A nice little medallion. And inside there is a uh, a booklet that has some of the songs that are on here. Of course, they couldn't put the whole movie on here uh, because it's too much singing. Too much singing. The whole movie is singing. So there are specific scenes that help tell the story, and there the dialogue is is uh, told in English and French, or written in English and Very French. Very nice. What is the title again? The Umbrellas of Schomburg. Very good. And a great, great movie, if you ever get the chance to see it. By the way, you mentioned record shows, and record yeah. shows, like uh, I noticed this one in Maryland. I think every state has one. You just it. have to look it up yeah. on the internets. Just like look up record yeah. show, and you'll be amazed. Like They're usually at hotels. Mm-hmm. There's lots around here. The one here in Wayne, New Jersey at the fire station. No, there's one in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, we see uh, there's a, uh, an app for your phone. If you have an iPhone, I don't know if it's on Android, but it's called the Vinyl District. Oh. And that gives you record show. It gives you record shows in England and Europe. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's pretty tied into the whole LP scene. Next is uh, another goodie, uh, Venus and Mars by the Wings. Nice. And the reason I like this album, this is another really, I found this for five bucks. Really great shape. The gatefold cover is in awesome shape. Nice big weird picture of Wings inside where it looks like they're walking on Mars, I guess. It was taken out in the desert. But the, the good thing about this, certainly not all the music. Just some clunkers. <laughs> Rock show's good song. Magneto and Titanium Man is on here. Listen to what the man said. Spirits of ancient Egypt. You don't know that one? Yeah. Uh, well, like, what kind of junk do you get in it? You get two posters. Wow. And these are posters oh, are smoke. pristine. That's a really nice poster. It is. It's a cool poster, but that's not all. There's another poster of the band and their hijinks. I was going to say, uh, clearly that one was not photographed by uh, Linda Eastman. In wings know. and photographer. I don't know. Because uh, she's in the shot. Set up the shot and somebody else pulled Whoa. the trigger. Amazing. So that's that. So you get not one poster, two posters. Plus and two, two hickeys. Two stickers. One like rectangular one and one circular one. And that's Paul McCartney. I think the album that came out after this was uh, the live album. Okay. Wings Across America. And that came with a cool poster. Yeah. He it was like a drawing of them on stage. They gave away a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, Paul McCartney was like really good with the, with the uh, giveaways. giveaway stuff. He wanted to give back after breaking up the Beatles. <laughs> the other thing that I have here is uh, one of my favorite bands from the 80s, The Jam. The Jam. And I found this record, Sound Effects. The records Ooh. are hard to find first print. And they're usually pretty expensive. This one I had to pay 20 bucks for. But the thing about the jam is their inside covers are always pretty good. Record covers on the inside. Usually have the lyrics on it, some nice thematic shots. That's uh, sound effects. Mm -hmm. I like the cover. It looks like you even said when I was picking it up, you're like, you're buying a sound effects record? It looks like a sound effects record. That's the whole idea. Yeah. And this is from... uh, Setting Suns, which is a really good album. Okay. I think it was their last album before they broke up. I may be wrong, but but it comes with nice inner sleeve with the lyrics. Oh, look at that. It's got a nice... A little bulldog, little bulldog on there. Bulldog on it. Sitting on the Thames River. And then this one where they're all frumpy, all the mod cons. And again, another lyric sheet. It's got a schematic in case you want, yep. you know, your scooter, you want to fix well, your you scooter. Well, you know, the, the mods, Quadrafina, the mods. Oh, yes. The, who are the other guys? Quadrafina. Yeah, the mods and the rockers. Yeah. So this album is uh, about mods. Okay, great. It's mods who are not mods. Oh, this has a rip in it. 
<gasps> Gosh, darn I it. noticed that. But uh, the Jams records are pretty collectible, and they're hard to come by. Like I said, usually... Who's the, who's the main jam guy? Paul Weller. Okay. And this is you talking early 80s. Oh, yeah. Early 80s. Late 70s, 78, 79. Let's see. Mod Cons was 79. I think In the City was 78. So okay. late 80s. Around the same time as Joy Division. Right. All that stuff. Who Those guys, their records are highly collectible and pretty expensive. Next one is a band I tried to get Mike into. That's me. I'm Mike. <laughs> a band called Nectar. I just recently got turned on to these guys. I had no idea they even existed. Really into Prague. I love Tall. I love Yes. I love Genesis. Gentle Giant. All these bands. And this band I just recently got turned on to. Nectar. And their stuff is really good. It's not Genesis level stuff, but they're really good musicians. The songs are great. They, they flow. This was their famous album. Whoa. The most popular album, I should say. Remember the Future. 19, what, 74, 75? These bands were big on the gay fold, eh? Yeah. Well, Nectar's first, I don't have their first record or their second record, but okay. all the other records that came before and after this are all gatefolds. A Tab in the Ocean, an- the cover? another really good album, and that came out after Remember the Future. And apparently, for anybody who lives in New Jersey, Mo, bass player, lives in Chester. I think he owns a plumbing company. He's no longer with the band. They still tour, dragging their asses around Europe and America. This was kind of a concept album. Remember the Future is a concept album. It's about a kid who, uh, I think he's a paralyzed kid, who befriends an alien hummingbird or bluebird. And then the album after that, Down to Earth, was more of a carnival theme. Right. Again, Gatefold. Really good songs. Great song. Then after that was Recycled. Whoa. Really psychedelic. They started to pare down their sound, you know, trying to get some radio play. But really great art design here. Here's the whole cover. Oh, look at that. Really great art design. Gatefold. I mean, they were on Passport Records, and they gave them carte blanche to do whatever they wanted. And then this record is the one I found at the oh, record show. Oh, boasts a very young Brooke Shields. From what I understand, it's Brooke Shields. May I see the cover? Sure. That's a painting, but the picture... Certainly looks like Brooke Shields. Yeah, look at the picture. So what about... what? So in those albums of Nectar, where does this fit? Early? This is, this is late. Oh, late. This is... Uh, they made one more record after this with the classic lineup. Okay. In 80, and that was it. That was it. Done. Yeah. And they were done. Done. Another pretty cool record that I didn't know. I had this record. Uh, a oh, touch yeah. Touch of in the Night, but I had the uh, Best Buy... Series had Super Saver had like a sticker. Actually, not a sticker. It was actually imprinted. Yes, said here. Let me take it out of here. It's uh, the Super Saver series. Super scary Saver series. Yeah, it was a cheap, cheapo reissue. Right. So this is a gatefold. I didn't know this was a gatefold. This is not the Super Saver. No, this is a the deluxe original first press. Oh. And on the back, they have oh little cartoons God. about all the songs. Anybody familiar with this album will tell you that. It's an album of old standards that Harry Nelson did with a Was with that back the same on the Best Buy? No, not at all. And it's a gatefold. Oh, look at that. On the lyric, or, or on the uh, LP cover, inner cover, inner sleeve, whatever you call it, there's writing on it. One says, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one says, please investigate Buckminster Fuller's instant slum clearance project for Harlem. Contact Design Science Institute, 3700 Massachusetts Ave, Northwest Washington, D.C., 2006. But you don't know if that sleeve actually came with that album. This came with this album. This is If you've enjoyed this album, please buy Derek Taylor's new book, As Time Goes By. Okay, yeah, Derek Taylor, okay. Derek so he Taylor, did did, wrote, he wrote the liner notes for this? Uh, I, I don't know what he did. He was a publicist for the Nelson? 
We're talking about I Harry guess. Nilsson, of course. Harry Nilsson. American yes. songwriter, awesome guy. Singer-songwriter, yeah. a documentary out. Famous drunk. Yeah, there's a documentary out that's fantastic. But I thought it was interesting because I've never seen any commercials written on the LP sleeves before. Derek Taylor is looking to get, uh, I guess, his pet project some... Yes. Uh, some extra and funds from the documentary that. I watched the record company wasn't too excited about this album it's really great but he you're talking mid 1970s this yes. was long before artists now right. are, artists now are you know very famous for everybody's doing, doing it Rod Stewart yeah Chris Bote the, the gatefold is awesome and it shows you all the players who played in the orchestra which I think is a very nice thing to do so you, the cheapo one you'd be giving that to me <laughs> I guess so yeah if you want it yeah those were the reissues they were in the cheap bin of Bradley's and the, other... The Super Saver series are generally like third or fourth pressings where they yeah. say, let's just throw these out. We'll put them in very limited packaging. Cheapo. Uh, cheap sleeves. Put them in two guys' department store. Uh, I have another one of uh, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It's not a gatefold. Both records are shoved into a single uh, sleeve. So they're, and they sold them you know, off price. Right. So I don't even know what LPs were. Say they were ten ninety nine new. These would sell for... You know, eight ninety nine, seven ninety nine. No, well, let's go back. In the early nineteen eighties, LPs were f- about uh, four forty nine a piece. What? In 1980, 1980-81. ridiculous. By nineteen eighty two, eighty three, they went up a dollar. They're like twenty eight dollars now. So in the seventies, I'm guessing they were three ninety eight or two ninety eight. God. Well, most of the stickers are yeah, the three four dollar. If anybody out there has you know re- you know reminiscing about either yourself or your father or your grandfather of what LPs cost when you bought them new at Two Guys <laughs> or, or Corvettes. Corvettes. I bought albums from Corvettes. These are uh, East Coast U.S. Harmony Hut. That's where I shopped. Sam Goodies. Uh, and of course, there was Record Town on the second floor of the Willowbrook Mall, <clears throat> right next upstairs. to the wor- the organ dealer. Yeah. Not human organs. You know, like a <laughs> Wurlitzer place. What do you call yeah. that? Uh, Hammond Organ. Uh, Hammond Organ. Yeah. Hammond Organ. And then downstairs was a Sam Goodies. Ham- Harmony Hut, I thought it was. In Willowbrook? There could have been three. That probably were. Yeah. It was big business back Big then. business. Yeah, there was uh, a Sam Goodies in, um, off of Hamburg Turnpike in Wayne. What was that mall? Remember that mall? Uh, yes, it's still there. The mall is still there. Meyer Brothers was there. Uh, right now, there's a Stearns in there. It was a Stearns in there. Right. And the Burlington Coat Factory's in there. Yes. That's, that's the called mall. the Preakness Mall. Is it the Preakness Mall? Yes. It's in Wayne, New Jersey, the Preakness Mall. And the Sam Goody was open until just a few years ago. Was it really? Yes. Wow. So that's, you used to go there as a kid, like take your bicycle there. I remember, or something? No, no, my parents would take us there. Drop you they, off. Yeah, they would go do whatever they wanted to do, and we would just go into Sam Goody's. I distinctively remember like one of my uh, musical moments there, decisive musical moments, was I was standing there. It was 1980. <laughs> Duke had come out by Genesis. Yes. And I was kind of a Genesis fan. I didn't really know too much about the band. And Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath. And I only had enough money to buy one of them. Mm-hmm. My friend Chucky De Bruin was like, buy Heaven and Hell. Get Heaven and Hell. Get Sabbath. I'm like... I don't know, man. I, I'm really digging the, the way this Genesis record looks. And I bought that record. Really? It changed my life, musically speaking. Because then I really got into Genesis. You know, wow. Delved into all their stuff. And then they became a crappy band, unfortunately. If you folks have a story, first of all, if you folks are actually still listening, <laughs> that means maybe you'd like us to continue doing this. We need to hear from you. And uh, just send an email to our FPP address, which is 
podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Let us know your experiences with vinyl records. Or are you thinking about getting into it? Have you been buying? Mm. Do, did you know that, oh, yeah, back in the 60s, you could buy Frank Sinatra for three ninety eight at Corvettes? That's crazy. Or what were the stores in your area where you live? Mm. So just to And know. do you still buy them? Do you? Speaking of still buying, I have a new record. Oh, let's see. This is uh, my favorite new record right now because I'm also, you know, we're buying, we're buying new uh, vinyl as well. Oh, look. Robert Pollard. Robert Pollard. Robert Pollard. And this is a, a new artist. No, no, no. He's been around for years. He's the uh, main man behind Guided by Voices. So you're saying this, is, but this is a new this album. This is a new album. Just came out. Where did you buy that? Uh, in June. I, uh... Got this. A friend of mine gave it to me, actually. Someone I know is, uh, re- uh, works with Robert Pollard. Okay, very nice. And uh, he gave me this record, which is awesome. If you're a Guided by Voices fan, it's so hard to keep up with them. Funnily enough, on the front cover, there's a sticker that says, first album in over three months. That's pretty funny. Because this guy literally puts out two, three records a year. Does he really? Two, three records a year. And, and sometimes he's putting out, he has put out four. And what label is this on? It's his own. La- it's his own record label. Guided by Voices, main man, genius, poet laureate Robert Pollard. Would I like new that? album, Faulty Superheroes. Would you like it? Probably not. Oh, because it's rock and roll. Okay. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, Molly Drake. Let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's only twelve songs on this album. Some okay. Guided by Voices albums have been known to have twenty or thirty songs on them. Very nice. You know, one to two minute long. Bits, but these are a little bit more thought out. They're really good. It sounds so great on vinyl. And there's a digital download, so okay, no reason not to get it. And my my surprise record was uh, when we went in to go see your friend at Flipside. Yes, I was digging through the five dollar bin, and I found this Procol Harum album called Home. I never heard of it. It's not that popular of an album from their canon, but it came right after a Salty Dog, which is a great album. And Look I think it's the last album with Robin Trower on it, and it's really good. Like every Procol Harum album, I think there's like three or four really awesome songs. A couple of, and a couple of, and this is uh, typical to that formula. Wow. And Robin Trower wrote two songs on here, I think. Keith Reed was the lyricist for the band, but uh, Gary Booker wrote all of the uh, music. But Robin Trower wrote two of the, music for two of the songs here. And they're good songs. And it got a gatefold? And it's gatefold, yeah. Big, big. Big gatefold in the 70s, huh? Yeah. That's when they were selling lots of records and they could do all this stuff. Very nice. So it came with the nice color insert. Oh, yeah. Advertising their records. Uh, years past, they would re- advertise other LPs available on mm. the label. Claudine Longer, oh, Liza Minnelli, that. Burt Bacharach. That's all we have for today. Yeah, just a quick, you know, intro. Well, it actually wasn't that quick. Well... It's not as quick as we thought it would be. A long-in-the-tooth intro. But if, you know, uh, if you'd like us to continue with this Vinyl Wreck-It podcast, uh, we do need to hear from you to see if anyone cares to hear us talk about vinyl records. And if anybody knows a lot about a certain type of record or... Process. The process. plant. Where the plants are. Any gossip. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. About people falling in the vat of vinyl. Yeah. Maybe we're playing human skin. Yeah. Here. You yeah. just let us know. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Boing. And uh, we're going to go spin some records and go have some Lee Sushi. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>